0: Before we get started with our scripture this morning, why don't we go ahead and and say a prayer. um, Both for as we begin uh, this time of of scripture reading and also uh, to kind of pray for Bob uh, and others as well. So let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we ask for your presence here with us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that all that is said and done in this space brings honor and glory to you, Heavenly Father. And Lord, as we gather in this place, we lift up Bob and and the many others in our community who are in need of your care, who are in need of your grace and your wisdom. Lord, may your healing hand be over him and over all of them, that they may experience your presence this day and every day. That no matter what trials they face or what pains or what surgeries or anything else, that they may know that you walk with them. And everywhere they go, O oh, gracious and heavenly Father, lift them up, we lift them up to you for your care. And now as we read this scripture, let it soak into our hearts so we may know your will for us. Let it be in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Our gospel lesson this morning comes to us from the gospel according to Mark from chapter 6. Verses 14 all the way to 29. Hear now these words from Mark. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah, and others said, it is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men to arrest John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted him killed. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was righteous and holy, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his couriers and his officers and for the leaders of Galilee. And when his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask, I will give to you, even half of my kingdom." She went out and said to her mother, "'What should I ask for?' And she replied, "'The head of John the Baptizer.'" Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, "'I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter.'" The king was deeply grieved, and yet out of regard for his oath and for his guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head, He went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother, and when his disciples had heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's a bright and cheery scripture verse for you this morning. It's often the kind of things that I look for when I read scriptures and think about Sunday morning is where can I find somebody's head getting cut off? And before you wonder what in the world this text could even bring to us this morning, um, well, we'll get down to that in just a few minutes. But a couple of months ago, I was scrolling on Facebook when I came across a friend who had posted this picture, and if you can't read it because it's a little far away, I'll read it, it says, did you know that there are nine U.S. consulates and one U.S. embassy in Mexico where non U.S. citizens can apply for asylum without risk of being separated from their children? Instead, Democrats want to encourage dangerous illegal border crossings by turning children into get out of jail free cards. Now, before we go any further, I want you all, as hard as it is, to put your politics aside whatever side of the aisle you fall on, whether it's right or left. Um, But I want you to, for just a moment, put aside whatever politics you have and just let those go for a minute. And we're going to address this little picture here. Now, when I first read this, Something didn't sit right in me. So I did what I always do, because I was a history major in undergrad, and that is I did research. Because anytime something seems too good to be true, you always want to look it up. So I went and I looked it up, and ignoring that last line, which is really just political banter, we're just going to act like it's not even there, we're going to look at the first part and break it down for a second. Now, it's worth noting they did get one thing right. There is nine U.S. consulates and a U.S. embassy in Mexico. That part is true. However, the main point that they were trying to make, that those who were seeking asylum should apply at the consulate or the embassy, well, that is completely false. Per the U.S. embassy and consulate website, The United States does not grant asylum in its diplomatic premises abroad. Under U.S. law, the United States considers asylum only for aliens who are physically present in the United States, meaning that the only way that someone can apply for asylum is to be physically present in the United States or at a United States border. You said, well, Ryan, I thought this was not going to be about politics. It's not. Just hold on a second. My point is this, as I saw this and as I see many things on Facebook or Pinterest or whatever you follow, the point is that truths, that the truths that we often struggle with are the ones that cause us to rethink our opinions and behaviors. So we have to look at things with a critical eye wherever we're reading and wonder, is it truth? Or is there some part of it that's not right? And sometimes it is the very things that we wish were true that aren't. One of the things that I've often heard uh, in churches is people will come up to me and say, well, Ryan, I know what the problem in churches are now. I know how every church can solve their membership problems with one simple thing. And that is they need to start preaching about sin again. We need to start preaching about sin and repentance. We need to get people to realize that they are sinful and to repent, and we will have people flooding in the doors. My response usually is, what do you think I'm preaching about? (laughs) You see, for me at least, when I preach, I preach about sin. But it seems a little fuzzy to people because I'm not preaching about other people's sin. I preach about our sin. My sin. Your sin. The sin of our community, the sin of our nation, the sin of our world and society. It's not usually the sin we like to talk about because we like to gloss over that and focus on other people's sin. It's much easier to tell other people what to do and how to change rather than it is to consider how we can change ourselves. As a result, because we want to hear those truths that only confirm what we already believe, we live in a world where we have a tendency to blatantly disregard any truth that does not confirm what we already think. And so it has created, I think, in some ways, a world that has a blatant disregard for the truth and for facts and occasionally even violent opposition. On June 28, 2018, just a few weeks ago, Jared Ramos walked into the Capital Gazette newspaper in Annapolis, Maryland and opened fire, killing five people and injuring two. It is believed that his motive was likely in part because he was angry at what the newspaper had written about him, even though the information was based on public records and was not shown to be inaccurate in any way. It would seem that Ramos's violence against this newspaper was out of frustration that they had told the truth. His actions are not all that unlike our scripture verse this morning. In the text that we heard, as strange as it sounded to us today, we heard the story of John the Baptist who spoke some hard truths about the relationship between Herod and his wife, who was his brother's wife before that. And because of this truth-telling, Herod's wife, Herodias, had a grudge against him and wanted him killed. And when she finally got the chance, she asked for John's head on a platter, and out of obligation, Herod agrees. Now, all of this proves that throughout history, people have had a tendency to be adverse to the truth when it causes them to have to reflect on their own selves. Which makes the job of prophets like John the Baptist or the disciples or Old Testament prophets or even modern day pastors quite difficult. Because in a world where truth and facts are not only disregarded but are actively attacked it becomes hard to address the truth, you see part of my job as a pastor is to tell you all the things that you don't want to hear and quite frankly, often they are the things that I don't want to hear either. A couple of months ago, I preached a sermon and I don't remember what it was about, which is I probably should. But after the sermon, a gentleman walked up to me, as he often did to kind of talk about the sermon, and he said to me, he said, you know, Ryan, that really stepped on my toes today. I said, well, good, because it stepped on mine too. The job of a pastor and a prophet is to make us uncomfortable. Sometimes it feels like a hammer trying to break down our will in the ways that we want to live to force us to look at ourselves and our society and to ask, what are we going to do about it? Prophets are the ones who call us to look around and say that there are sex slaves hidden all around us. What are you going to do about it? Prophets call us to look at the race relations in this country that continue to be problematic and ask us, what are you going to do about it? Prophets call us to look at the people, the poor people around us who struggle to make ends meet every single day and ask us, what are you going to do about it? Prophets look at payday lenders who abuse the poor and lead them into deeper and deeper debt, and they ask us, what are you going to do about it? They call us to see the children in our community who are going hungry every day, and they say, what are you going to do about it? They point out the issues of drugs and alcoholism and violence in our communities, in our country, and say, what are you going to do about it? Prophets make us look at the hard problems around us, the sin that lives in each and every one of us and in our communities, in our churches, and in our world, and ask us, what are you going to do about them? They challenge us to be better than we are, to serve God better, and to love our neighbors deeper. They call us to transform the world around us into the kingdom of God. Some of you are here or passing through this morning on their way because you heard that call. You are here because you heard that there are people in need and you wanted to help. And I hope that when you go home, you will continue to transform the communities that you live in as well. And all of us are here this morning because we are seeking God, and we are seeking God's will in our life. And the hard truth of the gospel is that it calls us to look at our own lives, our own sin, and our own communities, and calls us to transform our lives and the lives of society to reflect the kingdom of God. So let us this morning hear, the, hear God calling out to each and every one of us. Calling to right the wrongs in our communities and in the world. Calling us to love those who are not like us. To care for those who are in need of food and shelter and clothing. To speak for those who have no voice all so that we may transform the world into the kingdom of God. Let us pray. O oh, gracious and heavenly Father, we are so often comfortable in the ways that we do things, in the ways that we live our lives. We turn a blind eye to the people in need all around us, Lord, help us to see the problems that are facing our community and our church. Help us to see all of the pain that exists, all of the struggles that people are facing. And help us to go forth from this place to serve you by serving them so that the world may be transformed into the creation that you intended it to be. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.